The Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involves varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation. Know the difference. Now, the Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News. All right, let's start the timer. we got 60 minutes. Let's pack it in. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. In the next hour, good stuff. Uh, details about an inflation webinar that's coming up next Wednesday. We want you to be part of that. If you have heard about our webinars, they're fantastic. If you haven't been to one, this would be the one. Details are on the way. Ask Annex is coming up, too. And then we're going to talk a little bit about Generation X and retirement planning. That's all this hour. I'm Danny Clayton. Derek Felsky, our Chief Investment Officer. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Danny. Dave Spano is our President and CEO, Annex Wealth Management. Welcome to you. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Thank you for joining us. We have a lot of information to cover today. And I think where we'll start is on Friday morning, FedEx pre-announced a horrible quarter. And I think that's kind of a precursor of what we're going to start to hear from a number of companies. And let's start start there. I know it's starting on on a bad note, but we're going to end on a good note. Well, you know, many people see FedEx as a bellwether for economic activity, and essentially what happened there, I'm not so sure it's a, 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 an industry-wide phenomenon. They actually reported a slight uh, revenue miss, but an enormous earnings miss. So that suggests to us that they have cost pressures and a lack of pricing power in this environment, and that's fatal for a stock that has a has cyclical exposure. So as a result, the consensus estimate was at $1.5.14 for the quarter. They lowered that guidance to $3.44. So essentially, they did a billion more in revenues, but they actually made up $500 million less than they expected they would. And the reason why I brought that up is because we really haven't seen the earnings per share decreases that we had expected. And, you know, there's a lot of information out there, including uh, this hit from corporate taxes that that is expected to bring it down 2%. And, of course, the Inflation Reduction Act that, you know, most economists say is inflationary in fact. But we're, we think we're going to start to see some downward pressure on earnings. And that was my point. Right. And, and the other point, too, is when we talk about the S&P earnings, we typically talk in aggregate. And if you strip out energy, actually earnings are down on a year-over-year basis, not just for the third quarter, but also for the second quarter as well. In addition to the FedEx thing, iPaper also guided down on on Friday. They talked about pricing pressures and inventories, and that would make sense given what we heard from FedEx. But again, it's a, you know every stock for himself, as they say, and that's what we got to focus on as earnings season approaches. And the big news, of course, is next week, the Fed is going to make their announcement. Is it 75 basis points? Is it 100 basis points? You know, we'll have to see. But more importantly, what does the Fed say afterwards? Do they start to see a peak inflation number? And where do we go from here? Powell definitely needs to balance that hawkish rhetoric to which she's been trying to manage investor expectations with reality on the ground. And we're clearly seeing signs, not just from companies like FedEx. We've heard about it from semiconductor companies. Uh, we've heard it in you know steel companies and so on. So the economy is definitely slowing, and it's slowing far more rapidly overseas than it is in our country. And we'll have to watch that. But the good news I wanted to point out, Derek, is that we one of the things that we do is we track this Cleveland Inflation Index and it really shows that we've seen peak inflation over the next couple of months. We're going to start to see a reduction according to this index that we follow. 
Right. And that's partly because the comparisons against last year start to become increasingly difficult. So it's harder to sustain those types of year over year increases. But many of the components of CPI that we track have actually rolled over and are actually posting negative quarter to quarter and even year on year comparisons. The problem is in the rental area, just basically shelter and medical costs. Those two have been very persistent and it's likely they'll remain so in the coming month. And when we talked about, you know, that it wasn't transient and that it's going to be stickier inflation that is that we're going to see that well we start to see that in wages and wages are stickier in fact we had a big a big scare this week where we thought the rail workers were going to go out on strike and of course that would have had ripple effects a tremendous ripple effects so maybe that was averted we'll see if that is in fact what happens but that is where we talk about stickier wages are stickier and that's what we're starting to watch and and the settlement of that strike is probably going to lead, uh, lead other units to consider striking right i mean you have an administration says they want to get inflation down, yet there they are helping to support a union asking for 14 to 15 percent wage increases. So there are a lot of dynamics in this market that are very challenging uh, from all sorts of perspective. It's it's really one of the more difficult environments that I've ever encountered, particularly given the fact that it's been really hard to balance the risk of stocks with fixed income when interest rates have been rising as well. Derek Felsky, Chief Investment Officer, Annex Wealth Management. Dave Spano, President and CEO. Got the guys for the rest of the hour. Stick around for that. If you're like anybody, when you're investigating, you always look at the website. Ours is great. AnnexWealth.com. Also, sign up for Axiom, which is a weekly newsletter. We're on social media. We can help. Head to our website. It's AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. We're going to be right back. 92.5 Fox News. Sure, there are market updates, but learn something new and interesting with the Know the Difference Minute from Annex Wealth Management. We'll go beyond the usual topics and dig in deep on developing and breaking stories. Catch them all on Spotify. Search Know the Difference Minute from Annex Wealth Management. Back on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. The webinar, What Inflation Means for Your Money, happens Wednesday, noon Eastern, 11 o'clock Central. Details at AnnexWealth.com slash events. More details on that in full coming up with our presenters on the show. Derek Felsky, Chief Investment Officer, Annex Wealth Management, also in the studio today. Dave Spano, our President and CEO. Thank you, Danny. You know, Derek, you made a really good point uh, as we closed that last segment. There was correlation is usually negative between stocks and bonds, and we really haven't seen that this year. And you can go back to tightening cycles before, you know, 94, 99, 04, all of those times that the Fed had been very active. You know, the bonds are supposed to be ballast, if you will, and be have negative reaction to where the stocks are going. And we've seen that, but not this time, not, not this year. No, and, and we talked about the, the, the notion that when 10-year Treasury is yielding 1%, or as, I think it got as low as half a percent at one point, that owning that for protection was like picking up pennies in front of a steamroller, that the minute bad things started to happen on the inflation front, you'd have no protection, and that would trigger a Fed tightening cycle. So I think that was fairly obvious. And as an investment committee, we, you know, we've tried to sidestep it, but it's still pretty tough because fixed income investments are driven by interest rates, and every fixed income instrument has some duration risk, meaning interest rate risk. So by shortening up our duration, going towards credit and things of that nature, we shortened up our duration 
consideration. So yeah, we, we're down less than the ag bond index, but that still doesn't feel too great. Yeah, so and that's the reason why when you try to actively manage that, there's credit and there's duration. So that's that's called active management in the fixed income space. And I do want to move on to another particular topic that is really interesting. And is that, of course, as we talked about peak inflation and peak inflation that we've seen some math to that, that could be a positive sign because, of course, as you just said, interest rates are tied to both equities and bonds and real estate for that matter. And if inflation peaks, perhaps interest rates will get to some number here in the near future that they'll start to level off. Right. I mean, the the two-year note, which is what I track, I mean, people have asked me, you know, when will it be a better time to get involved with the stock market? I said, when do you start to see that two-year yield start to decline? Because that suggests that that even the two-year is sniffing out a slowdown, which will then cause the Fed to pause. Because as one of our uh, favorite fixed income managers likes to say, the two-year basically runs the Fed, not vice versa. That's right. And of course, we also joke that it could be really easy to be a Fed governor because you just have to keep up to market rates. And right now, you know, where is parity? And that's what we're going to listen for uh, out of Powell next week. What's the number? Is it 4%? You know, we're trading in the twos today. So that does mean there, there's more interest rates to go up. But at some point, it peaks, and then the market's going to stiff that out on the equity side. Right, and that's what he needs to do. He needs to basically say that we're going to be watching the data. We know the economy's starting to slow. We're making progress against inflation. And that just will suggest to people, that, with not the, if not the fact that they're increasing rates, but the pace of the increases will slow. Because we talked a lot early last year about the, the biggest risk was the pace of the increases. And right now, the pace of the increase has been pretty pretty incredible, unprecedented in my career. And that's something that's caused the markets to be jittery. And you want some more good news, Danny? Of course, you'll remember that Madonna was in the movie and she said, don't cry for me, Argentina. Yeah, Look at this headline right here. Read that all Argentina to hike interest rates to 75% as inflation nears 100%. I'm not making that up. I nope. wanted you to read that. You know, And Derek, that is unbelievable that Argentina has interest rates of 75% and inflation at 100. I mean, so here's the good news. We're not Argentina, right? So it really means that, what I really mean by that is, of course, there is there is problems around the world, including Europe, including Argentina, and that the United States continues to be the oasis. That's right. And that's, I think, something that explains the strength of the dollar, which is hampered, is also starting to hamper U.S. companies. One of the things we're going to hear a lot about during earnings season is how the effect of the higher currency has negatively affected profits. Historically, the stock market looks past that because they view currency translation expenses as kind of a wash over the long haul. But it will certainly put some downward pressure on earnings estimates, which is something we've actually wanted to see. You know, in order to to justify, you know, a strong market going forward, you want earnings to trough and you'd want the market to anticipate that by a couple of months. So, Dave, you go to Derek for the markets and me for Madonna? Exactly. Well, you've been in the music business a long time, my friend. Folks, don't go it alone. Team up with Annex Wealth Management is a fee-only fiduciary. Top story, bar none, inflation. How do we deal with it? Details next on a webinar that is fast approaching. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. Those new smartwatches give you all sorts of insights on your personal health. Heart rate, steps, all right there. Wealthmetric gives you key insights on your financial health. If you're looking for analysis and data on your financial health, get your Wealthmetric by visiting AnnexWealth.com. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? Inflation isn't new. It's been around a lot longer than you might imagine. 
But the current inflationary environment is hitting hard with major impacts for everybody. The more we all know, the better prepared we can be to find ways to deal with it. Education is always important at Annex Wealth Management, and that's why we hold as many webinars as we do. We're going to talk about inflation here and give you details on an upcoming educational webinar. To set the stage, joined by Deanne Phillips, Director of Client Learning and Development, CFP, CDFA at Annex. Hey, Deanne. Hey there, Danny. Tom Parks, Director of Retirement Plan Services, Annex Wealth Management. Hey, Tom. Thanks for having me, Danny. So, Tom, take us to school. You're going to be the business professor here. Inflation isn't new. In fact, it goes back really far. That it does. We actually start talking about inflation back in Roman times to provide some perspective for people. So while some of the personal experiences we're having as it pertains to the current inflationary environment are new and unique, perhaps, to the time that we're living in, inflation itself is definitely not a new phenomenon. Was there a time that I read that you had to bring a wheelbarrow to bring your money to we buy do stuff? the weimar republic yes that is something that we talk about if you google that you'll see images all over the place all right so we're not alone but right now it's hurting in fact according to the polls the inflation that is a major concern it is probably the number one concern heading into this year's november midterm elections certainly Everyone's feeling it as a consumer. Yeah, and we're seeing that you're going to probably see political ads talking about it and things like that because of what the polls are showing is that it's one of the top, if not the top, concern that people have. Yeah, and we just saw a new inflation number in the form of CPI. It did not go down. That's consumer price index. That's a big issue. It it is. The consumer price index increased about 0.1% in August, and excluding food and energy, the inflation gauge rose 0.6%. Now, both of those indices were higher than expected. Costs were driven by, not surprising, increase in food, shelter, medical care services. You know, and there, of course, has been a decline in gas prices as a relief. But boy, the rise in food has really offset that for consumers. And, you know, real average hourly earnings adjusted for inflation did rise 0.2% for the month, but they still remain down from a year ago. So the CPI has risen 8.3% right now, year over year. So for a consumer-driven economy, where 70% of the GDP is powered by consumer spending, high inflation has an impact, right? So gas prices have come down, but boy, we're, we, like you said, Deanne, we're just really writing big checks at the grocery store. It tightens wallet, but it also increases stresses. There's a human factor. Yeah, actually, Danny, I was looking at a thing that said that over 60% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck, and it broke it down by income level, and over 40% of people who are earning households over $100,000 a year, over 40% of them are living paycheck to paycheck. So this is a a thing that is really being spread across the economy for sure. Deanne Phillips is joined by Tom Parks talking about our upcoming webinar on inflation. What is the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022 designed to do? And that's not a leading political question, but just what is it supposed to do? You have 20 minutes, Danny. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was just signed into Congress by law in August of this year. It really is a slimmed down version of the Build Back Better legislation that the current administration campaigned on. But what it does is it lowers prescription drug costs, health care costs, and energy costs. Those are the three areas it targets the most. It's the most aggressive action on tackling the climate crisis in American history. But none of this is going to happen soon Overnight. Enough. No, no, Over, no. It not, lays out several years worth of energy credits, especially for the consumer and changes in the health care. Right. So we're sitting right now in a high inflationary time. Mm-hmm. People are getting squeezed. Right. People are wondering what it is that they 
can do or should do, I, I, I got to ask a dumb question. Is inflation ever a good thing? A little bit can be good for the economy. So the FMOC, the Federal Open Market Committee, the Fed, right, they meet eight times a year to review economic and financial conditions, and they update their monetary policy strategy after each meeting. Now, they actually consider 2% to be a good, acceptable rate of inflation. Now, we're above that now because they've been moving the Fed funds target and doing interest rate raises. And sometimes they will target a higher number to ensure maximum employment. But right now, employment doesn't seem to be the issue. Yeah. So inflation itself isn't necessarily the bad thing. It's a question of how much and how does it fit in the overall economy. Like Deanne said, there is a target for inflation and it's above zero. So it's just really a matter of taking all these things into context. In the yeah, su- supply and demand need yep. a little inflation to be competitive. Well, one cure for inflation would be a recession, but we don't want that. Yeah, no. So um, inflation itself is not correlative to a recession. Now, many people are concerned that the Fed's raising of interest rate increases the likelihood of a recession, but it's important not to conflate the two issues. While the Fed's reaction to inflation could send us toward a recession, Inflation itself doesn't. So again, two mandates the Fed has. Keep their arms around inflation and make sure unemployment is low, which it is. All right. Let's learn something maybe that will help. We're hosting a webinar. In fact, you two are hosting it. And it happens next Wednesday. So it's coming up pretty quick. That's right, Danny. We are going to be doing it online, so we encourage people to sign up because obviously we can only scratch the surface with the information we're talking about here. We're going to get into greater detail not only about the Inflation Reduction Act, but kind of look at what's going on with inflation more in greater detail to give people some perspective and hopefully some insight into how they can give themselves some relief. And it's what inflation means for your money. It's Wednesday, September 21st at noon Eastern and 11 a.m. Central. You can register at AnnexWealth.com under the Events tab. Deanne Phillips, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. You too, Tom Parks. Thanks for having me, Danny. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, Sunday, September 18th. Quick break. We're going to be right back. 92.5 Fox News. Cut through the clutter with Axiom, the weekly newsletter from Annex Wealth Management. Subscribe today for seven insights built and delivered to you every Sunday. It'll help you navigate the markets and the things that affect your money. The Axiom. Sign up at AnnexWealth.com. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? The R in RMD stands for required. No messing round. It must be done. But when? Eric Strom, financial planning manager at Annex Wealth Management, also a CFP, and he's got an excellent blog post at AnnexWealth.com covering six reasons why you might consider taking them sooner than later. Hello, Eric. Hello, Danny. I guess the first question is, do most people wait till the end of the year and why? Once you're age 72 or older under current law, generally you're required to take certain distributions out of accounts. And it is common to wait towards the end of the year to take these distributions. That's advice that's been around for a long time. Get as much growth as possible. And for many people, Danny, it is the right thing to wait until the end of the year. However, there's not enough talk about the advantages of taking your RMD earlier in the year. For some, that's the right thing. So we're going to go through some reasons today, right? Yeah, we're going to go through one by one. And the first is you may want to do a Roth conversion during the year. That's right, because no one knows what's going to happen in the markets. Markets go up and down. For example, during COVID, we saw a steep market decline at one point, and we were helping many, many clients do Roth conversions. That's where you're converting some of your pre-tax assets to Roth. When we see severe market declines, that's a great time to do Roth conversions. But did you know, Danny, that you can't do a Roth conversion if you haven't yet fulfilled your RMD for the year? So for some folks who are interested in doing that 
particular tax strategy, taking that RMD right away gives you a good posture and setup to be able to snap and do those Roth conversions as soon as we see those market dips. Reasons to take an RMD earlier than year end, you may pass away during the year. Yeah, here's one. So none of us know exactly how long we have on this planet, right? Once you're taking required minimum distributions, guess what? If you pass away during the year and you haven't yet taken your RMD, your loved ones and beneficiaries are going to have to do that for you during a time of grieving. That's a big reason why it sometimes is good to just get that RMD done out of the way earlier. That way you know at least you've got that peace of mind that your loved ones won't have to have that on their to-do list. Another reason you write about in the blog post to consider an earlier than year-end taking of an RMD you may want the freedom to spend your distribution earlier than December. Yeah, that's right. So, Danny, some folks are just not even aware that it's an option to take an RMD earlier in the year. That's the good news. You can actually take an RMD any time during the year. Many people are actually using their RMDs to spend. Maybe you're going to be taking a trip or you just need grocery money. You can take that RMD anytime you want. So, January, February is fine. This should be the fun part, right? Exactly. This right. is your money. Let's spend it. Eric Strom, financial planning manager at Annex Wealth Management, also a CFP. Great blog post at AnnexWealth.com covering reasons to consider taking your RMD earlier than year-end, you may want to use your RMD to pay taxes. Maybe you have some dividend income or you have capital gains from investment accounts that are outside of IRAs. For folks like that, or maybe you have a small business or rental properties or other types of income where you cannot do withholding. In situations like that, sometimes people need to make what are called quarterly payments or estimated payments. I'm sure you've heard of that. But did you know that one alternative to that is that you can use IRA withdrawals or other account withdrawals that offer withholding to help pay towards that tax liability. Some people don't want to bother with paying quarterly payments. It can be a hassle. So an RMD actually for some can be an opportunity to maybe withhold 50% or even 100% of your required minimum distribution to help pay that tax bill. So that's something at Annex that we help a lot of our clients with. Last reason not to wait that we'll talk about, you may want to donate your RMD to charity. And this brings people a lot of pleasure to do things like this. It really does. So the SECURE Act passed a few years ago actually backed up the required minimum distribution start age to 72. We're all probably aware of that. But at the same time, once you turn 70 and a half, you can start making something called Qualified Charitable Distributions, or a QCD. What's nice about a QCD is that you're donating directly to a charity from your IRA meaning you're pulling that money out of the IRA. You remember, you got a tax deduction a long time ago for that money. Now, if you pulled that money out to spend, you would pay taxes on those dollars. But if you donate those dollars directly to charity from your IRA, you don't pay any tax bill at all. And here's the other part. If you have an RMD obligation, you can offset that with your QCD. So QCDs are extremely powerful on both fronts, and particularly because of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act that's been around for a number of years now, many people aren't even getting an itemized deduction for charitable contributions anymore. So this happened to my wife and I. We used to itemize our deductions before the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. Once that was passed, we couldn't do it anymore. So if I donate to a charity, I don't necessarily get a deduction anymore. QCDs are a way to recapture that as well as get that offset of the RMD as well. So lots of good benefits there. If that sounds like something intriguing to you and you're 70 and a half or above, definitely talk to your financial planner about that strategy.
What is the process? How long does it take to take an RMD? Is it days, weeks? Oh, no. You know, you just contact, you know, your financial advisor, if you're a client of Annex, for example, or your custodian, and you just request a withdrawal. And and the custodian or advisor will generally calculate your RMD obligation for you. So they'll say, hey, it's $20,512. It's just a phone call away. Just call them up or go online and request that withdrawal. The scary part about the RMD, if you don't take it, there's a big penalty. Oh, it's it's very very big. In fact, it's 50% of what you were supposed to have taken out. It's jaw-dropping, in fact. Jaw-dropping. <laughs> yep. Again, that blog post up at AnnexWealth.com. Visit the site. There is a lot there for investment, retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning. We do it as a fee-only fiduciary. Know the difference. The website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Eric Strom, Financial Planning Manager and a CFP at Annex Wealth Management. Always appreciate your insight. Thanks, Danny. Those new smartwatches give you all sorts of insights on your personal health. Heart rate, steps, all right. Right there. Wealthmetric gives you key insights on your financial health. If you're looking for analysis and data on your financial health, get your Wealthmetric by visiting AnnexWealth.com. Know the difference? We are back. Time for Ask Annex. Sarah Kyle, a wealth manager, Annex Wealth Management is back. Hey. Hey. And Randy Winkler, CFP and a wealth manager is back as well. Hi, Danny. Here's how this goes. If you got a question for us, we love to hear them. You don't have to put your name on the radio. We got a lot of anonymous on uh, the segment this time around, and we get back to everybody. Our first is anonymous. Coworker says that while house values add the net worth, it isn't a factor in my overall financial plan. Is that true? Yes, that is true. It's not factored in unless you sell it and don't buy another house. Because it doesn't produce any cash, we don't count it in the plan. Yeah, you'll always need a place to live. So unless you had two homes and you were selling one, then the house is part of your net worth, but it's not helping you reach your financial goals. I mean, obviously, besides pegging a number, does it have a purpose, net worth? It can. I know there's some places if you're going to get a loan or lines of credit, things like that, they're going to look at your net worth. For a lot of times, it's just milestones. You know, sometimes when people hit a million dollars or $10 million as a net worth, that's that's kind of a cool moment. Next up is from Ted. Should an investment double every eight years? I haven't heard that one in a while. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a fun one. You have to earn 9% to double your money uh, every eight years. What I think he's referring to here is the rule of 72. So if you take the number 72 and divide it by the interest rate you're getting, that'll tell you approximately how long it'll take to double your money. So for example, if you were getting 1%, 72 divided by one, it would be 72 years. If you're getting 10%, it's 7.2 years. It's just kind of a good rule of thumb, and I think it's a good way to take a look at, uh, especially if you're younger, how many doubles do you have? So if I speak with somebody younger, I like to say, well, let's assume that you can get 7% and you're 30. How many 10-year periods do you have for your money to double before you're going to retire? I'd say 60. So it gives you a good idea of what's going to happen if you don't do anything else starting where you're at. If you add money to it, it's going to obviously help the plan. Next up is from Phil. Thanks for the show. You've had several recent stories of inheritances, and I'd like to offer the advice to not make decisions too rapidly in light of any grief one might be experiencing. I've seen people make wrong decisions. I'm interested in your take on this. Yeah, this one we've seen, unfortunately, often, uh, where people have a a death and they're grieving and they think they have to make some decisions or they make a decision and then they regret it later. Um, Most of the time, there's nothing really urgent that has to happen. You can take the time and your your wealth team should be able to help you through that. The only time I've seen where there is some urgency is if the person who dies is receiving an RMD, dies near the end of the year and hasn't taken the RMD yet. That's where there can be a little bit of a time crunch because you have to open up the beneficiary IRA, get the account transferred, take 
the RMD to avoid the penalty for not doing so. But again, if you're working with a wealth team, they'll be able to help you through that and let you know what's urgent and what isn't. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a rule of thumb is to wait a year before making any big decisions after a death. I've seen it firsthand with a relative where his wife passed away and a month later he sold his business thinking, oh, now my wife passed away, I'm going to go travel. Well, then he really realized he had nobody to travel with. In reality, he should have kept the business and put more time into the business. So yeah, I would say rule of thumb, wait at least a year before making any big decisions, selling the house, selling a business or things like that. Good advice, guys. And thanks for the question, Phil. Mike asks, Five two nines, lump sum if I can, or should I spread out the contributions? I've got about 10K to start. This is an interesting question based on the timing of when it's being asked. Because normally I would say if I was going to give a rule of thumb, which I don't particularly like, probably dollar cost average into the market because you're going from cash. You don't want to put it all in and have the market tank. And then you've got at least a short-term loss. If you're doing it today, if he was asking this question today, I'd probably say put it all in because the market's cooperating by putting everything on sale for you. But you also want to factor in your time frame. When are you going to need the money? Do you have time to take advantage of the the volatility of the market? But uh, these are all the questions I'd ask before giving guidance on when to invest that money and, and over what time frame. And our last one on Ask Annex, also anonymous, I-bonds, high yield savings, or CDs right now if I want to be super careful? Why not all three? You know, they're all good. All depends on your time frame, your risk tolerance, and your liquidity needs. The I bonds and the CDs, there's going to be a holding period where the high yield savings is very liquid. High yield savings are not so much at brick and mortar locations. That would be online places, Randy? Yeah, online banks and some other institutions, typically because they don't have the expenses and overhead of a building, they can offer higher rates. And some of them are getting to be you know, pretty attractive these days. Due diligence for sure. Yeah, right? do some investigation, make sure that it's a legitimate organization, uh, that they're FDIC insured, and uh, that you're, you're making a good choice. Sarah Kyle, Wealth Manager, Annex Wealth Management. Thank you. You bet. Randy Winkler, CFP and a Wealth Manager. Thank you. You're welcome, Danny. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. We're going to be right back. 92.5 Fox News. It starts with a call. With one call, you can start seeing your future more clearly. If your financial picture is cloudy because you're getting conflicting tax, investment, and estate planning advice, help is a call or a click away. Annex Wealth Management's team works to get your investment plan in line with your tax plan and your estate plan. Build confidence with one team working to create one comprehensive plan as a fee-only fiduciary. Annex Wealth Management. One team, one plan, one fee. AnnexWealth.com. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management, Robert Chastain, Branch Director, Wealth Manager at Annex Wealth Management in Southwest Florida. Hey, Robert. Hi, Danny. Our relationship with clients go far beyond the investment and retirement planning. Because life is a journey, we realize each mile is important. We're in it with you for the length of the relationship. Know the difference. It's more than dollars and cents, and that's what we're going to talk about. And it's important not to leave out a critical piece of the picture. Successful retirement takes much more than adequate financial planning because... After you retire, that's sometimes when things can get challenging, don't you think, Robert? As somebody who retired once in his life, I struggled with it at first. And, you know, we really stress a financial plan. At Annex, we have the flexibility that we can talk about a life plan also. And if you haven't done any life planning, it'd be a great time to start. Yeah, you know, I think I'm guilty of this because I gun it pretty hard at work. And sometimes when I think of retirement, I just think of the time that I don't have to gun it quite as hard. Then all of a sudden, you find that you might not have enough. And and sometimes it can affect people in in not great ways. Well, that's a great point. And we're programmed throughout our whole lives 
go to work, go to work, go to work, get your vacations and a couple vacations for the year, back to work, back to work. And then when you retire, it's all over. Now what? You know, you have a blank slate and a lot of people struggle with that blank slate. Robert, do you ever have anybody that just says, I don't care, just bring it on, I'll do it. And you almost want to say, you know what, it's not going to be what you think. Absolutely. And I've had a lot of them come back to me and we've had conversations about it and they say, wow, I just don't know what to do with myself. Yeah. And, you know, then you just have the conversation and um, off they go. Well, when people don't know what to do with themselves, things can start to wear on you. I mean, your your mental health is important. I know that depression can strike people that, that just are not engaged in retirement. It's just as much of a problem in retirement as it is ahead of that when you're working, there are components of true success in retirement. Robert, I kind of want you to talk a little bit about those. One is to have structure. It sure is. And and Danny, I'll just kind of not steal the show, but let's talk about structure, purpose, and community. But we'll start with structure, right? And again, we've touched on it. Your whole life, you've had a schedule, right? You've had your couple vacations. You have, if you have children, I know my wife always kept a calendar of all their events, right? So it's probably a really good idea when you retire, before you retire, create a retirement calendar. And now you got to go seven days, right? Because typically people work five days a week, 40 hours, 50 hours. And now we've got to go seven days, keep a calendar and make some appointments, put things on there that you are going to do on a weekly basis that are repeating. So you have something, okay, I have to be here. I have to be there, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, it might be as simple as, you know, get a workout in or go to the library or, or you know, do the groceries or make sure that the, the lawn is good or the boat is good and things like that. Just those little basic chores that you can kind of check off and make sure that you get a feeling of accomplishment. It's just a weekly routine that you want to work into. A few people that I've spoken with that traveled a lot for work, it really bothered them that they were never in airports, never in running from here to there. And I said, plan some one or two day trips, put them on your calendar and just go visit places that that you've never seen before. Maybe it's a two hour drive, three hour drive, five hour drive. Just go do that one or two days, but put it on your calendar. And then you have that need to see something new or or be traveling. Robert Chastain is branch director and wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management in Naples. You talked about the components. The first was structure. The next one you mentioned was purpose. How do you break that down? If we don't feel like our lives matter, it's kind of self-defeating, right? And that's when you can really circle the drain and go down the rabbit hole. Let's look at giving back. Is there anything better when you give your talents to somebody and you see them thrive? I mean, it's a compliment that you've really helped somebody else. When you meet people who are retired, ask them what they're, they are retired from. I guarantee you they will be happy to share it with you. They're probably happy to talk about their career, their accomplishments, some things they've done, and they may share some knowledge that uh, would be very helpful for you. And, uh, you know, it's just another way. It's a conversation starter for a lot of things. Sure. We talked about structure. We talked about purpose. How about community? Well, what do you give and what do you get? If you like your community and you want to be involved in your community, you're a good person, volunteer in your community. Get out there and give back to it and improve it. And if you are retired, you have the time. And if you have the knowledge and the skills, your community will love you for it. And I've talked about this in 
prior episodes, but I ref football, basketball, and soccer. And it's amazing. Yeah, run around, sweat with the kids, and but it's amazing to watch the kids, the parents. You know, I get a lot from it, but yet I really enjoy it. And not only that, I have a fraternity of brothers that I ref with, uh, and they're all people I never knew before. So it's a great way to be out in your community, helping out, enjoying weather or the winter. It's just, and I get to participate in sports. Robert Chastain, Branch Director, Wealth Manager, Annex Wealth Management, beyond the financial plan. We want you to have a well-constructed financial plan for sure, but that goes by the wayside if there are factors that conspire to derail you. Any last takeaways? Yeah. If there is one sentence that I could share with you, make sure that you wear out and don't rust out. Don't sit in front of the TV. Don't retire, go home and just stay home and not do anything, enjoy your life. You've earned the right. Fantastic. Folks, it starts with that first meeting with Annex Wealth Management. We get to know you, what your hopes are, your dreams, your goals, and that's where we are different. For investment, retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning, Annex does it as a fee-only fiduciary. Know the difference? Website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Robert Chastain, Branch Director, Wealth Manager, Annex Wealth Management in Naples. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Danny. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. We're going to be right back. 92.5 Fox News. Cut through the clutter with Axiom, the weekly newsletter from Annex Wealth Management. Subscribe today for seven insights built and delivered to you every Sunday. It'll help you navigate the markets and the things that affect your money. The Axiom. Sign up at AnnexWealth.com. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management, and right at the top, I'm going to go on record as being an official baby boomer. On one side of the boomers is the silent generation, preceded by the greatest generation, but on the other side is Generation X, which for the oldest members of Generation X are now about 10 years out from traditional retirement. So I'm joined by Keith Butler, a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management. Keith, you a boomer or an Xer? Are you saying I don't look like a millennial? Uh, okay. <laughs> I'm uh, on the very young end of uh, the baby boomer. Yeah, me too. Yeah. All right. There's new research report focusing specifically on Gen X, their financial situation, how they plan, how ready are they for retirement. The headline is they've got some catching up to do. Have you seen the same thing? I have, Danny. And, you know, uh, while I don't pass myself off as an expert on generations, I have done some studying on this topic because it became of great interest to us uh, back when I was in a private practice of law. And I think we need to take a step back and say, why? You know, before we start analyzing this, is why are generations different? Why do Baby boomers happen to have a certain ways about them. Generation Xers, a little bit different, the silent before then. And if you look back, it really comes down to how you're raised, the effects of the world around you. For example, greatest generation grew up during the, the Depression. Yep. When I was a little kid, you know, my father grew up in great poverty in Missouri. I, it was drilled into me to this day about not wasting. It bothers me to throw away food. You just didn't waste. So these are things that are ingrained in kids, and they're often based on the experiences that they have. Now, we as boomers, most of our parents in the baby boom were the greatest generation. And most of the parents of Generation Xers were the silent generation. Now, there was a, a shift because when you and I were, were little kids, Danny, and in my neighborhood, it's all of the mothers were at home. None of them were. But when we went out to play, we just went out to play. There were, there were no play dates. You know, we were just real, seven, eight, nine years old. We're running around the neighborhood with our friends. When it's lunchtime, they call us. And come and, in by the time the streetlights come on. And exactly right. That affects your perception of the world. Now, one of the things that we found is that the silent generation, much more so than the 
greatest generation, got divorced. You have a lot of kids that are millennials, much more so than, than baby boomers, that grew up in a household where they may become what we call latchkey kids. You know, when they were in what is now middle school, was in junior high school, perhaps. As a result of that, what we found is that they have a little bit less trust in the future. How that manifested itself when we were looking at this at the law firm is we couldn't quite figure out why the compensation structure was that, you know, you get a salary and then a bonus based on your own productivity and how the firm does and so on and so forth. They didn't like that. They didn't like bonuses. They wanted the money now because they didn't trust the future. They did not trust that bonuses would be there. And it was just kind of contrary to how we expect. We couldn't figure that out. And when we look at how Generation Xers are preparing for retirement, a lot of times you'll hear them say, Social Security, well, if it's there, that they, they don't really have that sort of faith and trust in the future. And that's something I think is, is based a bit on, on the upbringing. Are they behind the eight ball? I mo- most of the data that I've seen says they, they are. A little bit, yeah, they are. It, it, it's probably not too late. They shouldn't dally around too much. I think this is the time to get your financial future in order and to start with a financial plan, even if you are on the younger end of Generation X and you think, well, I got a lot of years, you know, 10, 15, 20 years before I'm going to be retiring. You want to plan for that now because you don't want to have to catch up at the very end. Well, the oldest members of Generation X are roughly 55, 56, right? So they're in that zone. They're probably making pretty good money, but they've got other financial obligations. Mm -hmm. But it's not like the retirement runway is in sight, but it's... It's looming in the distance. It is. It is absolutely there, and it gets there faster than you'd ever believe. It happens quick. It does. We're with Keith Butler, a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management. Another really surprising thing that I saw is Gen X reports the lowest level of interaction with financial professionals, mm-hmm. only 27%. Yeah, that's really surprising. And again, as you point out, this is the time when they really should be starting to get their ducks in a row as we prepare for retirement. What are the things that they can be or at least should be thinking about with roughly 10 years before retirement? I think it's setting goals, figuring out what is important to you. One other societal shift has been baby boomers are more into spending money on things. And when you get to Generation X and certainly millennials, millennials for sure, spending money yep. on experience, how that plays out. So I think it's, it's figuring out what your goals are, where you want to get to. Is legacy important to you? Uh, some people, they, they really want to leave something to their kids. Others, it's like, man, I've already provided for them. We're, we're, we're worrying about us. So I think it's setting some goals and making sure you do kind of the, the easy, basic blocking and tackling. Like, for example, deferring to a 401k plan at least is enough to get your maximum match because that's just free money. And that goes right toward your retirement. Work longer. I mean, a, a lot of people, you know, there's retirement, quote unquote. But now there's also retirement, you know, the uh, second, second phase, retirement. Yeah, yeah. yeah, second phase. I, I, this morning I dropped off my car at a car dealer and got a, a drive here from somebody. That's that's what he's doing. Yep. He's driving the car. He, you know, now he doesn't have the pre- a pressure job. He doesn't have to use discretion. Just Pick this guy up and take him here. And that brings in a little bit of money, maybe some benefits, and that's something that can help your your retirement plan after your normal, you know, professional retirement. Keith, one of the things would be really, and this is what we do, but sit down with a financial planner and get a plan in place because a lot of these unknowns or a lot of these, well, I'll, I'll kind of push them down the tracks a little bit, will become a whole lot more clear. Well, one thing that, that people have to keep in mind is that, you know, some people say, I heard that you need X dollars to retire. You need a million dollars to retire. You need a million and a half dollars to retire. Well, that's nonsense because that is one part of a very complicated equation. There is how much money you have, how much money you will be receiving in Social Security, or maybe have a pension. You know, government employees, union employees have really nice pensions. Um, How much you spend. If anybody says you need to do this, 
you know, that that's just not true. There's too many parts to the equation, and that can only be accomplished by going through a sophisticated financial plan with an advisor. We do it investment, retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning, and we do it as a fee-only fiduciary. Know the difference? Website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Start the wealth metric process. Keith Butler, Wealth Manager at Annex Wealth Management, thanks for joining us. Oh, my pleasure, Danny. Looking for more? The Annex team produces original audio and video content to teach, inform, and demonstrate how we think and operate on behalf of our clients. Visit the Annex Wealth Management YouTube channel and explore. Just search Annex Wealth Management. Know the difference? This is a team segment. We're going to talk about estate planning with the estate planning attorney for Annex Wealth Management, Jill Martin. Welcome back. So you wrote a great blog piece, and that is available on our website. Yes, it is. So it's really talking about kind of what are the the biggest planning mistakes that we see most common among estate plans that we review for clients and just things that we hear about in the community from other people. Let's go with the big three and, and not having the estate plan, using do-it-yourself software, and then relying on your neighbor and the legal advice. So let's go through those. What happens when somebody doesn't have an estate plan? And I can tell, here's the spoiler alert. I think it's a big mess, right? It, it can be a big mess. Basically, what happens is, is there are state statutes that default so that there are rules that every state around the country has that says, if you didn't have an estate plan, this is what's going to happen. Because there are 60% of Americans that don't have an estate plan. There's a couple of things, right? There's during lifetime, you would need to have guardianships in, put in place if you don't have a health care or a financial power of attorney, which is someone to step in and make your decisions and manage your finances for you. During lifetime, it's critical for you to have two documents in place, a healthcare power of attorney and a financial power of attorney. And that's where you select who's going to be that person that makes your healthcare related decisions when you're not competent to do so. And also who's going to be able to step in and manage your finances when you can't do it anymore. Any other mistakes that, that happen? I mean, that, that people all of a sudden realize when they're kind of wading through this? Again, the state provides default rules for who your heirs are, right? So it's generally going to follow your bloodline, your next of kin, so to speak. But what happens is if you don't want it to go to those people or if you don't have any children or grandchildren and who do you want that to go to? Do you want it to go to siblings? Do you want it to go to nieces and nephews? Maybe not if you don't have a close relationship. So you need to do planning to figure out who that's going to go to. Jill Martin is our estate planning attorney at Annex Wealth Management. We're talking about the mistakes made with estate plans just talked to some clients yesterday and oh my neighbor you know she did this she did that and I said well I said that and that may very well work but it was basically they they researched on the internet and picked a bunch of clauses from all sorts of different agreements that they like and threw them into a document right I don't know that that's going to be great. It might have saved you some legal costs up front, but I can probably bet you that for every dollar you saved on the front end, it's going to cost your family and your kids three to four times what you saved in legal fees to clean it up on the back end. Your neighbors will always have an opinion on what yard trimmer to get or what estate plan to have. Absolutely. I'm all for the kibitzing around the coffee table, but what happens is, is everybody's got a unique situation. And so what your neighbor is going through from a financial standpoint or what their assets look like and their estate looks like, or even your parents or your siblings, everyone's in a unique situation. So doing just what you heard your neighbor talk about is not necessarily going to be the right fit for you. And so it's important to get a good advisor, whether it's a financial planner, a wealth advisor like we have here at Annex, an estate planning attorney, an insurance advisor, all of those people, you need to have your own team that knows your situation. So the last 10 clients that you've worked with, what would you say out of 10, how many were the same? Absolutely none of them. Let's talk about the legal nitty gritty. 
when they go awry with legally invalid documents, then that's really where the costs start to go up because you've got somebody that needs to wade through that. Every different document that is part of an estate plan has different execution requirements so that it's legally valid. There's little nuances in executing documents correctly. And a lot of people don't read the fine print, which is important in legal documents. Another mistake is the wrong individual as the power of attorney, the executor, or the trustee. And that's a disaster in the making. It is, Danny. And it's one of those things that I don't think people think about it as much as they really should. You know, it's a big decision on who is going to be that financial power of attorney for you. Who's going to be your executor or your trustee? Because they're the person that's going to be responsible for A, following your wishes, but B, keeping everyone else informed. And you want to make sure that person is trustworthy, good with finances, is a good family communicator. It's not just a default to, I go with my oldest child and then the middle child and then the youngest. Like That's not necessarily the order. And that's what a lot of people do. They just don't think about it. And they say, child one, two, and three. But that could get you into trouble. And I look at my parents as an example. My mom has two brothers. One was financially very, very savvy. One is one was not. not. <laughs> um, and so there had to be a decision made there in, in terms of who did you trust. Okay. There's an estate plan in place, but things change. The estate plan needs to get redone a little bit. Right. So changes happen all the time, right? And so estate planning is never a one and done type of a deal. And so you want to make sure As things change, whether it's family, whether it's finances, whether it's tax laws, pull that thing out and dust it off and take a look at it. And that's one of the things I do at Annex for our clients is is to do a comprehensive review of the current estate plan. We're talking about mistakes people make when they have estate plans. And the last one we're going to talk about is, is you've got the estate plan, but somebody better know where to find it. So that's a great one. And actually, you know, I just got a text from my mother-in-law last night. They live in Nebraska and they had all that major flooding. So their original documents are kind of AWOL. We don't know where they are. Now, we all have copies of them that she provided us, but the original will is basically destroyed. So it's important to make sure, A, people have copies of them, but it's also important to make sure that you do keep them in a fireproof and maybe a floodproof safe, depending on where you are, and that somebody has access to that thing. Jill Martin, our estate planning attorney at Annex Wealth Management, talking about mistakes with estate planning. Thanks for joining us. You're welcome. Used to be a retirement plan was working 40 years. Get the gold watch, walk out the door to see what was next, if anything. That was then, this is now. We're in an age of retirement redefined, and retirement could last a long time. At Annex Wealth Management, we get it. That's why our investment, retirement, tax, and estate teams are ready to create a comprehensive plan to help deliver the retirement you desire. It's time to know the difference. Work with a fee-only fiduciary. Retirement redefined. AnnexWealth.com. We're back to things. This show will be on the Annex Wealth Management Spotify channel if you uh, came in late. Also, the webinar, What Inflation Means for Your Money, happens on Wednesday, noon Eastern, 11 o'clock Central. You can register at AnnexWealth.com slash events. I'm Danny Clayton, Derek Felsky, our Chief Investment Officer in the studio. Dave Spano is President and CEO of Annex Wealth Management. You know, Danny, a lot of these market drops are common, and I know people don't really remember those things, but, you know, the S&P 500, will have to remind people, was up 31% in 2019 18% in 2020. I mean, after that big drawdown, and 29% in 2021. And I know that the average stock is down right now. Market turbulence sticks with us all the way up this mountain. 
Right. And when you look at things over a rolling 10-year period, the stock market return has been truly extraordinary, well above the rate of inflation, which is the key goal. The other thing is in midterm election years, we did mention the average drawdown is roughly 17%. And right now, as of the close of trading on Friday, we're down 19% from the high we made in January. So part of the problem is all of the decline occurred this year, right? We made a high in January. We're where we're at now. So it's not like a year-over-year comparison that perhaps feels a little bit better when you look at your annual returns. But generally speaking, it's at times like these that you actually rebalance. You look at the opportunities that are existing. You know, For example, one sector that tends to do well when earnings growth is starting to moderate is healthcare because people will still need healthcare procedures. COVID is hopefully a little bit out of the, a thing of the past, so people are going to go for elective surgeries and the like. Innovation is something the United States leads the world, and there are many reasonable advice companies in pharmaceuticals and medical devices and healthcare services that are attractive. And you just think about not only that, but you know, markets in general are cyclical, and they look at a lot of the news that may have already been out there. You know, the pricing of high inflation, the fact that rates have gone higher, that we're going to a low growth environment, and, and energy prices, all of those things. The market knows this already. What they don't know is where the interest rate rises stop, and that's the reason why we want to look at this information. Right, and one of my favorite books was a book that Peter Lynch, who was the legendary manager of Magellan, wrote. Uh, this is a long, long time. It called One Up on Wall Street, and one of the things he always said was, was when an analyst came into his office and made the point that he liked this particular stock because of this particular view on the economy, he would kick the guy out, and the reason he would do that is the stock market already has a better idea what the economy is doing than that guy did. He wants to know about franchise businesses that can grow and generate cash flow and pay out dividends. You know, funny, you you bring up uh, Peter Lynch from Magellan. And of course, one of the companies that he liked in his book was The Gap because uh, one of his kids went to the mall in like The Gap store. But The Gap also made a lot of news this week. Uh, If you didn't see that, Kanye West, of course, had a deal with Gap and he made a big splash about ending that relationship, which of course at the same time the gap was down 7.5%. I think he's going to make a play to have his own retail store. Well, and he also made a, a great comment, which I just have to repeat if you haven't heard this. He goes, I don't argue with about money with people who are broker than me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's right. It was a funny interview with the glasses and the hat. But, but Yeezy came up with that. It was that down jacket that didn't it didn't zip up, right. which if you've seen any kids in the winter, they don't wear them anyway. That's right. Exactly right. So, of course now, folks, this is the time, as Derek just pointed out that you do the hard work because average drawdowns are around 11 months. Well, this started in January. We're on the verge of going into October. So maybe the downturn it will be an average downturn, and maybe it's 11%. And remember, the stock markets look ahead, sometimes six or nine months. So perhaps there's a bottom uh, in our future, but the way to handle that is not try to time the market, but as Derek said, is to rebalance, is to start to dollar cost average. And that would probably probably be some good moves right here. Right. And, and that's something we do with our wealth managers. You know, we, we send out weekly talking points about what we're seeing in the markets, what we've done recently with the portfolios from an investment committee perspective. And then once a month, we go on a deeper dive. And, and that's really to provide them with the behavioral coaching capabilities they need because, you know, money's emotional and no one likes to see a negative statement. But in the long run, and if you're not a trader and you're an investor, in the long run, the U.S. economy tends to grow. And as Dave, you pointed out many, many times, it's undefeated. 
Yeah, that's right. 33-0 in in downturns. And really, Danny, that's really the takeaway that I want people to hear uh, today is the fact that this is a downturn, and there's no question it's painful, especially if you're near or in retirement right now. The more important piece of this is that this too shall pass, is that you set up your portfolio for the recovery coming up. That is what you need to do, and you can do that today. Folks, we have spent the last hour given great examples of how Annex Wealth Management can be your partner. But I got to tell you, we only scratched the surface on this radio show. I mean, this is a great source for information. We love that both clients and non-clients are listening. But get the whole story. Spend a minute or two. Fill out that contact form when you click that Get Started button. Now is the time Annex Wealth Management is ready. If you're working with somebody else, it's great to have a second look. If you're a do-it-yourselfer, can we help get you across the finish line? You've heard all of our team experts talking about how complex things can be. It all needs to work together, and it needs to work for you, and we would love to do it. Again, the website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. See you back here next Sunday, noon. This is Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. The Annex Wealth Management Show is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation.